If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheets are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or add a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheets bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheets for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212. This is our number one of the World According to Zig podcast for this November the 12th, 2017. My name is John Ziegler. I am the host of this show where you can still get the truth about news, politics, media, sports, and culture from a true conservative perspective in this world turned upside down. Happy Veterans Day weekend to you. We're taping this on a Saturday, once again, for scheduling reasons instead of our normal Sunday. That's why I refer to the date as the 12th. I'm well aware that the Saturday is the 11th, but whatever. It doesn't really matter. It is what it is. Uh, of course, heck, uh, according to the uh, the shopping malls and uh, my daughter's television that she watches, we're already uh, flat in the middle of Christmas season. So forget, forget about it being November the 11th or 12th. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving has been completely obliterated from the calendar. It's just a day to get together and, I guess, um, watch football and and get fat, although that's always been the essence of it, at least in recent times. But now it's not even the kickoff to Christmas. Now uh, Christmas apparently starts even before Halloween, according to my wife, <laughs> much to her dismay, as she uh, goes uh, shopping on a on a biweekly basis. So uh, anyway, as, as always the case, a ton to get to this week, so much that we've actually done three hours. We're going to do three hours for this particular podcast Hours number two and three are devoted to the release of the the same book, which came out this week. The book is called The Most Hated Man in America, Jerry Sandusky and the Rush to Judgment. It's got a chapter about me in the book, and I would say uh, many of the revelations in the book were facilitated by me, but the author of the book uh, is our guest in hour number two. And then Dr. Elizabeth Loft is one of the world's foremost experts on memory, who is quoted quite a bit in the book and is a big supporter of Mark Pendergrath's work, uh, she is our guest in hour number three. So if you have any at all interest in that case, which has consumed most of my life for the last five years, make sure you check out hour number two and hour number three. There's always lots of news to get to, and uh, we'll do get to as much as we possibly can in uh, hour number one, which is our news hour of the World According to Zig podcast. And I did not anticipate... Uh, that I would be leading hour number one with news today uh, involving Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, and Vladimir Putin, but I must. And I know that um, even a lot of conservatives who don't like Trump have been very hesitant 
to jump on the collusion train, if you will. And even I have been steadfast in saying, I don't think that collusion is a sure thing and that I doubt collusion will ever be proven to the extent to where, you know, most people believe it. I think it's going to end up as a partisan issue. If you like Trump, you're not going to believe it. If you dislike him, you're probably going to believe it because I think that Special Counsel Robert Mueller believes that there was some sort of collusion, and it's very clear already that this was not fake news. And I keep saying, you know, why is it that Trump is saying it's fake news, and why is it that so many of his people are lying, obviously blatantly lying, about their interactions with Russia? And so I am probably closer to the collusion conclusion than most conservatives, even in the anti-Trump camp, are, although not as, men, not, not as close as some are. There are some who are um, rather prominent in the anti-Trump conservative movement who are positive that this is obviously collusion and that we're going to look back on this and go, well, duh, <laughs> obviously this is what was going on. This is perfectly consistent with everyone's reaction. And I keep going back to just the way that Donald, you know, the basics. What's the essence? Why are people lying? And why is Donald Trump reacting to Vladimir Putin the way that he has? Because if this was all bullcrap and there was nothing that Putin had on Trump, he was not compromised by Russia or by Putin at all. If only for political purposes, and Trump's not an imbecile. He's not brilliant, but he's not an imbecile. And he clearly is a political person. He likes to be liked. He would be attacking Vladimir Putin at every opportunity, especially on the issue of their meddling in the election. That would just be the natural inclination. Now, not only has he not done that, He's done the opposite of that. He has been complimentary of Putin at every opportunity. And there is no evidence that he has punished Putin at all for Russia's meddling, regardless of whether or not the Trump team colluded in that meddling. And today, something even more startling than Trump's prior ass-kissing of Putin and his unwillingness to address this issue directly of meddling occurred. Of course, Trump is on a foreign trip. He met with Putin, and then he told the press that Putin told him that Russia had nothing to do with the meddling, that it was the Democrats doing, this is supposedly Trump quoting Putin, and then Trump went out of his way to bash by name, by name, the former heads of several several of our intelligence agencies, including James Comey, calling them hacks and liars, and completely buying in to the idea that the person telling him the truth are not the people working for our own intelligence agencies, including, by the way, people that are still working for our intelligence agencies, including every major member of Congress, everybody who, with any credibility on this issue, on our side, has said it's not even a question. Russia attempted to meddle in our elections. 
And Trump is publicly saying, no, I don't believe any of that because Vladimir Putin told me so. It's just flat out ridiculous. Seriously? Seriously. I want you to think for a second. If Barack Obama had ever had a meeting with Vladimir Putin after winning re-election, remember that election he won where he got caught telling the, the Russian official, I'll tell Vladimir I'll have more flexibility after the election. Remember that whole thing, which, you know, the media buried and should have been a massive scandal. The, you know, conservative media went ape crap over that little thing. Frankly, it's only little in comparison. That was a big deal to me at the time. Anyway, can you imagine if after winning that election, Obama met with Putin and there were all of our intelligence agencies were saying, yeah, Putin helped Obama win. And then Obama then came out and bashed those intelligence agencies of the United States of America and said, I believe Putin because he seems very sincere in what he's telling me. Can you imagine the reaction of Republicans in Congress? Can you imagine the so-called conservative media? I have visions of Sean Hannity doing his show live from outside of the White House, going live 24-7. He wouldn't even stop at three hours. He would go live 24-7, stripping naked, pouring himself with gasoline, lighting himself on fire. And that might have just been the beginning of his reaction. That would be day one. That would be day one of Sean Hannity's reaction if the same thing happened with Barack Obama in like 2013 after getting reelected. And instead, when it comes to the conservative media, there's literal silence. There's nothing. They're, they're not going to make a big deal about this. In fact, if anything, they'll support. That's how bizarre a world we're in. They'll support Putin and Russia. And because Trump told us to, because Trump gave his marching orders, they'll be the ones we're now supposed to believe over our own intelligence agencies. By the way, not a couple of them, all of them, with unanimity and certitude. Absolute certitude. And it's important to point out, this comes on the backdrop of our own CIA director being forced to meet with a conspiracy nut job who claims he has proof that the Democratic email hack was an inside job. You know, that whole Seth Rich bullshit. Complete, I don't know if he's, uh, he's probably a Seth Rich conspiracy believer, but that's that whole, that's the realm of this whole pile of horse manure. Trump forces his own CIA director to meet with this guy. What's the first thing this guy does? And I'm not making this up, folks. This is the kind of stuff you couldn't make up if you tried, if you were, you know, the greatest screenwriter in history, and probably no one would believe you. But he goes right from, almost literally, right from meeting with the CIA director, who I'm hoping, 
felt like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm being forced to meet with this whack job. But, you know, I got to placate Trump, make Trump feel like, you know, I'm listening to him. So he meets with this guy and then he does an interview. He does the interview with Russian TV. With Russian TV. Now, this is not difficult math to do, folks. Russian TV, which is the propaganda arm of Vladimir Putin and the Russian government, has a vested interest in convincing at least Trump's cult that they didn't do anything with regard to meddling in our election. And so now anybody that's got a whack job conspiracy theory that gets them off the hook is going to be elevated. So Trump is going out of his way to elevate this guy, give him credibility. Oh, he can say, I met with the CIA director. That gives him instant credibility. Probably gets him on Fox News Channel a couple of more times, too. And Russian television has an interest in elevating this story because it gets them off the hook. And then Trump, a few days later, says, ah, Putin told me this didn't happen. I believe him. He seems sincere. That's almost a direct quote, by the way. And then to top it all off, it actually gets worse because a Russian official at this meeting of world leaders was asked, did Vladimir Putin raise the issue or did Trump raise the issue with Putin about Russian meddling? And their response was no. No. Now, to be clear, it's it's the Russians, first of all, so I don't believe him, unlike Trump, I don't believe him. <laughs> Number two, there was another statement that was seemingly contradictory from another Russian official. So we don't know for sure whether or not Trump really did address the issue of meddling with Putin. Let's be clear, though, the meeting was like five minutes. So in five minutes, <laughs> I, I doubt very seriously that Trump could do the pleasantries, grill him. <laughs> grill him on Russia's meddling in the elections, get convinced by Putin, ah, no, 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 not us. We didn't do it. It was the Democrats. And then finish up with what other, whatever other pleasantries there may have been. That seems like a stretch. So I'm actually, I'm open to the idea that Trump is lying about even having had the conversation with Vladimir Putin. Again, I don't know. I, I don't think anyone knows for sure yet. And maybe we probably, we might never know. But if it's true, folks, and this is very much in the realm of possibility, if it is true that Donald Trump lied to the media and made up a story about him confronting Vladimir Putin, about them meddling in our election, and then got convinced by Putin that he's telling the truth and that our intelligence agencies are, are lying. And if that was all made up, if all that is true, which is at this moment, and I'm speaking to you, more than theoretically possible, actually makes, it might make the most sense of any possible scenario. Because it seems odd to me that in five minutes they could have that conversation and that, you know, that Putin would be able to so easily convince Trump. Of course, he wants to be convinced. But what else the hell, what else would they have the time to speak about? But let's let's just pretend for a second that all of that, what I just told you, is true. 
Trump made up a story, lied, so that he could say he confronted Putin and that Putin convinced him that there was no Russian meddling. If that happened, folks, listen up. There is no other way to logically interpret that reality, assuming it's true, than that Donald Trump clearly colluded with the Russians in the 2016 election. There's just no other logical explanation. I'm open to one, but I cannot conceive of another logical explanation. Now, there's several ifs in there because we don't know. But if that is what really happened then, then I and if that was ever proven, I would be convinced, barring some unbelievable explanation, that there was actual collusion between Trump and Russia in the 2016 election. Because why in the world would you make up that story and lie about it other than you're desperate, one, to kiss Putin's ass, because he even said, he even said that Putin is upset about this and that that's bad for our country. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, it would be, it's so horrible that Putin feels bad that we're, some people in our country are upset that he meddled in our election. Yes, because that's what big, bad, supposedly balls down to his knees Trump was really elected to be about. Kissing the ass of foreign tyrants and being submissive to them. Because that's what he has done on this whole trip. Submissive to Putin, submissive to the, oh my God, the tweets about the president of China. You would think he owned a golf course Trump wanted to play. That's how complimentary Trump was. And this is a guy who is effectively a dictator. An anti-democracy supposed president who wouldn't even take allow questions to be asked and answered when they were together. So he's kissing, and, and not to mention, this is the, the same China that Trump got elected campaigning against. Remember that? He was going to tear up trade agreements, kick their ass, take names, and save American jobs. Remember that? Do you remember that? Believe me. Yeah, that was what he was going to do. Believe me. I know China. They've never dealt with anyone like me. No, they probably haven't. They probably haven't dealt with anyone like him before. Someone who claimed that they were going to come in and kick ass and take names and turned out to be a a puppy dog. I The China thing was amazing based upon what happened in the campaign. I, I mean, he's, he's pushed out on the wall. Trump is totally pushed out on the wall, his number one issue. His number two issue was trade deals with China. And he completely pushed out with that. And I got to tell you, putting aside the Putin thing for a second, the most underrated thing Trump did this week, maybe this month, and if you think about it, maybe even this year, because it got almost no attention, because everyone was so concerned about Roy Moore. He tweeted his rationalization for why it is that he's no longer mad at China that he wants to blame prior administrations. They were the ones that screwed up and got taken advantage of by China. And he actually wrote at the end of the tweet, quote, how can you blame China for taking advantage of people that had no clue? 
I would have done the same. Think about that, folks. This is the president of the United States of America. Think about that from just a human standpoint, just from the perspective of being a human being who allegedly has some semblance of a moral standard. And then you're putting aside the fact that he campaigned on, you know, taking China to the cleaners and fixing the trade deals and saving American jobs, none of which, none of which is going to happen, was never going to happen, no sign it was going to happen, it wasn't even addressed by Trump, uh, you know, in any sufficient fashion in this trip. It's all a bunch of bullcrap to fool stupid people into voting for him, and it worked to, to a large degree. But taking that aside, from a human standpoint, our president believes that it, you can't blame China for taking advantage of people. Who are those people? Us, okay? Us. And, and it wasn't just Obama and Bush or whoever the hell it is that Trump is blaming. If you believe this theory, and I think there's, there's some truth to it, that China took advantage of us, of us, who were those that were being taken advantage of? Who really suffered? American citizens. A lot of people lost their jobs because of this. Those very same people voted for Trump. So Trump is mocking, or that's probably not the right word, he's minimizing dramatically China taking advantage of his own voters, putting them out of work, and then saying, I would have done the same. And by the way, this wasn't an off-the-cuff remark. This is in a tweet, which theoretically he actually puts a few moments of thought into, actually writes down, and actually has to hit send on the tweet. So it's not, you know, he didn't misspeak. He wrote it. I would have done the same. That's inhumane. That is literally inhumane. You can't blame someone for taking advantage of somebody else because they had no clue. Hell, that's just the way it works. I would have done the same. Look what I did with Trump University. Remember that? <laughs> that was awesome. I took advantage of all those fucking morons. And then I, can you believe I ended up paying off the fraud settlement after getting elected president of the freaking United States? $25 million or whatever that was, and no one gave a shit? Can you believe that? <laughs> what a country, America. I would have done the same. And maybe this is the essence of why I have such disdain now for Donald Trump. The guy's a dick. He's a flat-out dick. And by the way, it's okay to be a dick at times. Sometimes you need a dick. But he's a dick for himself, not for America. If you're going to be a dick for America, I'm all in. I'm all in. If properly used, a nice big dick for America, I am all in favor of that. But he's a complete dick and an asshole for his own self-interest, often in contradiction to the self-interest of America, i.e. getting us back to Putin and Russia. Because the part of Putin and Russia and collusion 
alleged in the 2016 election that has always bothered me is not the issue of trying to reverse the 2016 election. And I still don't believe and never have believed that Trump's going to be removed from office because of this, because Republicans will rally around him almost no matter what, because they have to because of the cult. But the issue to me has always been not even the illegality of it, if there is, even if there is illegality, which I think is an open question. The point to me has always been we have a president who is beholden, compromised by Russia and Vladimir Putin. And the argument that that's the case has never been stronger than it is today with exclamation points next to it. And that, if that doesn't trouble you, forget about being conservative, liberal, Democrat, Republican, Trump lover, Trump hater, it doesn't matter. If that doesn't bother you, then you're the problem. Not me. Not and never Trump conservatives. That's a major freaking problem. And, and by the way, there are other stories in the last couple of days that further substantiate this whole narrative. My God, the idea that the Mike Flynn turkey story has gotten almost no play, largely because of Roy Moore, is mind-blowing. Have you even, most people probably aren't even aware of this. Mike Flynn, who was our national security advisor, it was learned in the last couple of days and it sounds, again, this sounds like I have to be making this up, but I'm not. It was learned that he attempted to kidnap an American citizen and send them to Turkey at Turkey's request, and apparently payment of millions of dollars. And oh, by the way, Flynn, which he did not disclose, was a paid agent of Turkey at the time. This is the guy Donald Trump hired as our national security advisor. A guy who spoke at his convention very prominently. A guy who was a major part of his campaign. A guy who, by the way, had a very prominent dinner with Vladimir Putin sitting at his table, paid for by Russian television during the campaign. Seriously? Seriously? This, what is, what the fuck is going on here? This is insane. This is fucking insane. And then we have the issue of the Department of Justice holding up the Time Warner AT&T merger because they're demanding that they sell CNN. CNN the media outlet that has been by far the most television outlet that has been by far the most credible and vocal on the whole Trump Russia issue. And it's not just the, the department of justice holding up a merger to try to force the sale of CNN. And Oh, by the way, the possibility that Rupert Murdoch might buy CNN. And if that wouldn't scare the crap out of you, I don't know what possibly could if you take CNN and turn it into Fox News Channel 2, oh my God. But we now learn that Jared Kushner, 
the president's advisor and his son-in-law in told, you know, he's claiming this was a joke now, told the head of Time Warner that you should cut 20% of CNN's workforce. They're acknowledging that that statement was made to the head of Time Warner, which owns CNN. The president's son-in-law directing them to cut CNN staff by 20% specifically because he's upset with their coverage on the Russia issue. Again, he's claiming it's a joke. Uh, uh, Jared Kushner doesn't seem like a real funny guy to me. That, that, that doesn't seem like his M.O., especially when you consider that he is at least waist deep in the entire Russia situation. And the, the uh, reports are that Trump was pissed at Kushner because Kushner gave him bad advice on the whole Comey firing and how it would be responded to by Democrats. And why did Kushner want Comey gone? Well, you got to remember, Kushner was in on that first meeting. He was there, that meeting at Trump Tower, the one that somehow Donald freaking Trump knew nothing about, even though he was there that day, and his son was there, and his son-in-law and his uh, sorry, uh, son-in-law and the head of his campaign were all in the same meeting in the same building where he was, and then he immediately made references that certainly seemed as if he was in on the meeting publicly afterwards. That was all just a big freaking coincidence. No one bothered to tell. Donald Trump. <laughs> it's just flat out ridiculous. <laughs> and the people that believe that. Idiots! And Trump cult members. That, those are the three groups. By the way, there's, there's a lot of overlap in those three groups. Idiots, imbeciles, and Trump cult members. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. It is unflipping believable what's going on here. And uh, I think it's going to get crazier. Now, uh, speaking of crazy, uh, Roy Moore, who is the Republican uh, nominee for U.S. Senate in Alabama to take Jeff Sessions' old seat, which is currently held by Luther Strange, has been uh, very much in the news this week because the Washington Post ran a story about Moore back in his 30s, which would have been in the late 70s, apparently dating several teenage girls, one of whom was 14 years old and to whom he allegedly gave alcohol and sexually abused. Now, the abuse was real. Uh, it was not horrific. I mean, I, I know that that's politically incorrect to say, but I, I just it really bothers me that we're, we're lumping everything under the umbrella of sexual abuse now, and we're not allowed to differentiate. You know, once you get under that umbrella of sexual abuse, it's all sexual abuse. It's all the same. No, that's not that's not the way the world works. I mean, let's be clear. Not that I'm in no way, shape, or form defending Moore, who I think is a complete nut job, and, and does not belong in the U.S. Senate. And I believe that well before the Washington Post report. So let's make that clear. But I I like to figure out what's really going on and what the truth is. And the reality is that the allegation is in the realm of sexual abuse is fairly benign. Not, not relevant, not, not wrong if it happened, but in the scale of sexual abuse, it's, it's pretty low on the scale. Now, I uh, fully understand why there are people who are skeptical 
of this Washington Post report. I mean, it's very late in the game. It's a month away from an election. He's been in the public eye for a very long time in Alabama as a judge. Obviously, he went through the entire primary situation without this coming up. I mean, if you remember, Donald Trump actually endorsed his opponent, Luther Strange, and more won anyway because the people of Alabama are just really that fucked up. And so more, uh, you know, has, is going to get a lot of play out of, in fact, he did it today, questioning the timing because the timing just doesn't feel right. That's similar, by the way, and obviously there are a lot of similarities between this and the whole Access Hollywood tape from last year during the last portion of the campaign of, for the presidency. A lot of people just, if it happens this late in the campaign, they're just not going to buy it because they're going to say, why now? That, that's, you're going to lose a lot of people right off the bat. And I can understand that. I get it. I also can understand why allegations that are this old would be especially considered inherently suspicious because they are old. And then I'll say, you know, one other thing that's going to appear like I'm defending more, but again, I'm not. I'm just trying to figure out what the hell happened here. I do think it's a little unfair, not only that, you know, these are allegations that you can't disprove, that's impossible, but it's also a little unfair to, to pretend that 1979 is 2017, uh, especially when you're considering Alabama, all right? Alabama in 1979 is basically, you know, like New York City in 1932. <laughs> I mean, for my, maybe that might be generous, by the way. We might still be in 1832 in Alabama uh, in 1979. And that's, and I'm being serious about that. It, it, in 1979, Alabama, the culture there is very, very different. Very different. And I can certainly see that a 32-year-old with an 18-year-old, and a couple of these girls were 18, would be considered no big deal at all. You're totally legal, and, you know, that's just the reality of it. I mean, look, uh, you know, Laura Ingram just tweeted out a, a, mag, a People magazine cover of uh, Jerry Seinfeld being applauded for uh, dating an 18-year-old girl when he was in his late 30s. Uh, and so, you know, there's definitely... The morays in this situation is ever-evolving, and there's definitely, you know, a very subjective implementation of the rules here. And I'm, a, I'm big into figuring out what the hell the rules are. I really, I really like to know, okay, what the hell are the rules, especially when you're changing them on me uh, as dramatically as they seem to be changing. But the key allegation is the 14-year-old girl, because that would be clearly illegal. And do you want a guy who was, let's face it, sexually molesting illegally a 14-year-old girl, even in his 30s, even though it was a very long time ago, do you want that person to be in the U.S. Senate? Well, I didn't want Roy Moore to be in the U.S. Senate to begin with. And uh, Bob Corker from Tennessee basically tweeted that. <laughs> he said, look, even before these allegations, his nomination was a bridge too far, which is 100% right. So to me, these allegations don't mean that much because to me, he was already disqualified for f being a fucking nut job. All right. That, that, that was his first disqualification. But as far as these stories are concerned, you know, I can understand why there's skepticism. Uh, but I, I happen to believe the 14 year old story. Uh, she told people contemporaneously uh, her boyfriend from uh, way, way, way before Moore was a 
massive national figure says that she told him about it and he you know she doesn't I don't believe that she's still dating him but I saw an interview with him online he seemed very credible very understated and just said look she told me about this I believed her then I believe her now uh and so and and the story by the way feels plausible and it's not the type of story you would tell if the whole point was to try to torpedo somebody's career, right? Because if you were, if you were going to lie and your point was to take out Roy Moore, and by the way, this person is a Republican voter apparently, but if some, if for some reason you just had it out for Roy Moore, you would make the story more horrible than it was. There's nothing to stop you at this point because there's no proof of any of this. This happened almost 40 years ago. So why, Stop at touching over underwear, you know, that type of thing. Why would you do that? There'd be, there'd be no reason for you to stop there unless that just happened to be the truth. And Roy Moore's interview with Sean Hannity, and, and if, you can't, <laughs> if you can't get through an interview with Sean Hannity <laughs> without being, you know, badly damaged and you're a Republican, there's a problem. There's a big problem. And... That interview was not well received. Now, so with all that being said, I believe the allegation of the 14-year-old is true, and I think it's relevant. Should it be disqualifying? Again, if there was nothing else about Roy Moore that was (laughs) offensive, I would think, okay, that's an open question. It was 40 years ago. Can you change? Was it a mistake? You know, is, was there a pattern? There'd be all sorts of other questions. But to me, this isn't even an issue because the guy already doesn't belong in the U.S. Senate. However, I wrote a column for Mediate, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com, uh, that indicates that um, at least right now, and I, I said this tentatively, this was not a full out, you know, Trump's going to lose prediction, which turned out to be, you know, tremendous in 2016. This is not a full on prediction. But I did tentatively predict that Moore will end up as a U.S. senator unless unless something major happens from here on out. And what I mean by something major is more allegations, better proof of the allegation, or most likely, and I think this is fascinating because it would be so ironic and so typical of 2017, I think the easiest way to get rid of Moore is for Donald Trump to come out and condemn him. (laughs) How ironic would that be? (laughs) To have the guy who survived when you're a star, they let you do it, so I grab him by the pussy. And that was in very recent times to his election. Have that guy knife more and take him out. That would be pretty much the definition of irony. But that's the that would be the easiest and the simplest way for Moore to get removed. Because I don't think he's going to get removed otherwise. Now, he might lose. The, the, the race could be very close. There's still a month left to go. He's running against a fairly li- liberal Democrat. Doug Jones is his name. I, I think, you know, that race could be very close. There are some people who think he'll win easily still. I, you know, gun to my head, I think there's an over 50% chance. Again, nothing major happening between now and the end of the race that he wins the U.S. Senate seat. Uh, Interestingly, I didn't mention this in the column, although I should have. I think 
that one of the more interesting elements of this race now, assuming Moore is not forced to drop out by Trump or new revelations, is if you're the Democratic Party, think about this, folks. Now, I realize the Democrats aren't very bright. But if you're the Democratic Party, why would you want Roy Moore to lose? Think about it. The only thing Roy Moore losing does, other than energizing your base, which is already jazzed up as they can be, the only thing it does is it reduces the Republican majority in the Senate by one for the next year. That's a fairly minor victory. Now, it's not irrelevant because it reduces the margin of error, which is already very slim, to basically nothing. Now Trump can only lose one vote on anything that the Democrats won't cooperate on, and he's toast. And it could toast, it could force, uh, you know, the, uh, it, the, the effort to repeal the taxes or to reform the tax code. That could be a very, very major element of this. So I'm not, I don't want to say it's insignificant. Tax reform could go down because of Roy Moore having molested a girl in 1979, which is just so insane. But that's the world we live in now. It's, it's 2017, folks. But if you're the Democratic Party, I understand you care about that. But you might be able to defeat tax reform anyway. But if Roy Moore is elected and seated in the Senate, he is going to be manna from heaven for the next year. He is going to do all sorts of things that the news media will make sure become the Republican brand as we head into a midterm election. That's what the Republican Party will be. And the midterm elections, already a referendum on Donald Trump, will turn into a referendum on Donald Trump and Roy Moore. And good luck with that, Republicans. Good luck. Because if that's the way the 2018 election is going to be portrayed, hey, are you thumbs up or thumbs down on Donald Trump and Roy Moore? Look out, Republicans. You're fucked. You are completely totally fucked and there will be a tsunami the likes of which we have never seen from the democratic side in recent times and 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 that might be an understatement so if you're the democratic party why would you want more to lose i can't figure out why you'd want him to lose but we'll see what happens if he survives the next couple of days the next couple days are the key He still might get taken out, and it might be by Trump, which would be hilarious, in the next few days. But if he survives the next few days without anything major happening, then I think he's got a better than 50, much better than 50-50 chance of winning in Alabama because that's just the way Alabama is. I've gotten criticized a lot for talking about white trash in Alabama and, and how pathetic that state is. I think this is justification of my evaluation. I stand by my evaluation of Alabama. In fact, I think Roy Moore is effectively a mic drop on my evaluation of Alabama. All right. uh, Now, this issue of sexual harassment, sexual abuse, obviously continues to explode. Last night at the USA Today website, the top eight news stories were about 
male sexual abuse, and they were about eight different celebrities or prominent people of some sort. Eight. That's all the news media is talking about. Louis C.K. is now involved, giving, by the way, the first ever statement to the New York Times. I'm pretty sure about this. This was historic. The first official statement given in the New York Times, which included the words, my dick. <laughs> Louis C.K. actually gave a statement to the New York Times where he referenced my dick. And it didn't work very well for him. His career is now being destroyed. Again, for allegations which are weird, disgusting, totally inappropriate, wrong, and all that, but really pretty benign. Just, I mean, it's amazing now that we're destroying people's lives and careers fairly arbitrarily. As a guy who likes to know what the rules are, this is concerning to me. I mean, I'm not worried about the sexual part. I'm married. I have no sex life. So, I mean, this is this is a part of my life that's gone forever. The, but I'm just I'm just concerned for society that that we understand what the hell the rules are. I mean, George Takai from uh, Star Trek, right? Now he's he's been uh, getting destroyed over an allegation of again abuse, but you know, and it's bad abuse, but not the worst abuse that you can imagine. From 1981. And of course, Kevin Spacey's career has now been completely destroyed. His gay card torn up. Takai's gay card, I guess, isn't going to work. You know, now, now Spacey's gay card didn't work. Takai's gay card isn't going to work. But, but folks, what, is no one concerned that partners, there's a lot of reasons why these stories are hitting. In a, in a huge way right now. Obviously, the Weinstein situation opened the floodgates, gave people more courage to come forward, made it news new, more newsworthy. I get all that. But there's something bigger going on here. And that is that the news media is just completely abandoning any and all standards of what used to be the rules for reporting this kind of stuff. There was a reason why you don't report, no matter how, even if it's very credible, that you don't report stuff from 30, 40 years ago against people who aren't even running for office. At least Roy Moore is running for office. Okay? That makes it relevant. But we're now just going to arbitrarily destroy lies based upon 30, 40-year-old allegations with no proof or next to no proof, some of which aren't even, you know, the, the worst kind of abuse you could imagine. Not that that should be the standard, but again, I, it just really bugs me that as soon as people get a, it's it's under the realm of sexual abuse, everything's the same. That's not the truth. There's a vast difference in allegations, and to me, we're going way too far here. And the news media has just decided, ah, ah well. Yeah, everyone else is doing it, so we'll do it too. It's getting good traffic. It's getting good ratings. It's it's fun. It's good. It's an interesting, juicy story. So, whose life are we going to destroy today, based upon allegations that very well might be true, but could also be total bullshit? And no one seems to care anymore. No one seems to care. And I don't know where how this ends. How does this end? And I'm I'm curious how much money. There's got to be a cottage industry right now. How much money is being paid to people to shut the hell up who probably don't even have really good allegations? But think about it, folks. And uh, you know, 
I'm never going to have to worry about this because I'm, I'm a married guy who's never going to be famous. But what exactly are the circumstances where a guy who's maybe not that good looking, but who is famous or very rich or very powerful, has any sort of sex act outside of marriage that cannot be plausibly turned into assault later on? based upon the rules we're now creating. I can't think of one because we're now setting the, the, the standard, the rule that if you've got a major power imbalance with a woman or even man-on-man sex now, even, gay, even this is even in the homosexual world now, but if there's a major power imbalance between the two people engaged in sex and the one person who's in the power position isn't real good-looking, you know, you're not Brad Pitt, you know, Ben Affleck can get away with it because he's Ben Affleck, right? So, you know, and but if the if the guy is if the guy in power is not particularly good looking and God forbid he looks like Harvey Weinstein, you're screwed. Because now we've set the rule that, oh, the only reason why she had sex with you, or even he had sex with you, is because there was a power imbalance. And that's inherent abuse. What? A power imbalance is one of the main reasons why women will have sex with an ugly guy. If not the only reason why they'll have ugly guys could never get laid if a power imbalance made it invalid. I mean, so we're, we're creating all sorts of very troubling precedents. That's for damn sure. Speaking of which, I, I do want to mention very briefly, and I don't want to get too into it because I, I, I know I'm very vulnerable because of my outspoken nature on the Jerry Sandusky case. But you're going to hear a lot because Allie Reisman, gymnastics star, is going to be on 60 Minutes on Sunday. And apparently there are now 140 gymnasts suing somebody over this Dr. Nasser scandal that hit uh, U.S. gymnastics girls team over the last several years. And look, this Dr. Nasser, from what I can tell, because they found a ton of pornography on him, which, by the way, they never found on Jerry Sandusky, anything remotely close, but they found a lot of child pornography. This guy is clearly a sicko. I have zero problem believing that he was doing what he was doing to get his jollies, that for him it was sexual abuse. But what bothers me, there's a couple things that bother me about this story. Of course, everyone's trying to claim a cover-up at U.S. Gymnastics and at Michigan State. I'm actually more willing to buy a potential cover-up at U.S. Gymnastics than at Michigan State because Michigan State doesn't give a shit about their goddamn gymnastics program, all right? So they're going to fire a doctor immediately if they think there's a problem. Gymnastics is a little different situation because, you know, Bella Caroli and his wife have an iron, you know, rule that whole thing with an iron fist, and the Carolis have always given me the creeps. And so I could, I could see some weird stuff going on there just to keep the train rolling. But here's the part the media won't tell you about these allegations. They won't tell you that this was all done, at least at first, via a perfectly legitimate medical procedure. They won't tell you that. And this is what gave this doctor inherent, plausible deniability. And this is why most of these girls had no idea they were sexually abused until everyone else started to say that this guy was sexually abusing people, which, if you think about it, is kind of a weird deal. By publicizing, not that this shouldn't be publicized, but by publicizing the Nasser allegations, you're actually causing a lot of girls to suffer because they never realized they were abused. 
they thought they were getting a medical procedure because it's a legitimate medical procedure. And if you think about it, it actually makes a lot of sense. Gymnasts have a huge, especially girl gymnasts, huge problem with their hips, the inside of their hip sockets. The only way to get there, and this guy was praised, he was praised for figuring this out, is through the vagina. All right? So he was going through their vagina to give them legitimate medical treatment. Now, it's clear from my reading of the facts, he overdid this, that he he really seemed to want to do this a lot. And there's a reason why, because he was getting his jollies out of it. All that is wrong. But there's no evidence consistent with a cover-up. It's inherent plausible deniability. And then here's where the, the Sandusky thing really influences me. You got to remember, when it comes to gymnastics, what happens to a girl at 16, 17, 18? She's done with gymnastics. It's over. There is no future in gymnastics. So, of course, you're going to have 140 people coming out of the woodwork to file some sort of lawsuit. It's called a retirement package. You've Oh, I was treated by Dr. Nasser. Yeah, he went through my vagina to massage my hip. Guess what? Cha-ching! Cha-ching! And Allie Reisman's being, you know, called brave for coming forward. Yeah. Let's find out how much money Allie Reisman ends up making from her lawsuit against U.S. Gymnastics or Dr. Nasser, whoever the hell she ends up suing after her interview with the 60 Minutes, where after starting treatment at the age of 15, I'm sorry, at 15, you know whether or not, I mean, come on, folks. Can we use our brains for a second? But no, I know that's politically incorrect. You know, I'm I'm blaming the victims. No, I'm not. It's horrible. It's a terrible scandal. It's horrendous. The guy's a scumbag. They should throw him away, lock him away, throw away the key, whatever. But let's not lose our minds over what happened here. I know that that's asking a lot because immediately when the word sex abuse is thrown around, people lose their minds. All rationality is thrown out the window. By the way, it's not just, I've always said that the, the R words are what make people's heads explode. Rape, you know, makes people's heads explode. I mean, Republicans makes a lot of people's heads explode, including, unfortunately, mine these days, which is amazing. I never thought that was possible. But race, race is the other R word that makes people lose their minds. And I have documented over the last several years many cases of fake hate crimes in the realm of race. And this week I wrote a column about two brand new ones that you're definitely going to want to check out at freespeechbroadcasting.com. And these were doozies, folks. These were doozies. They happened at Air Force and at Kansas State University. And the one at Air Force I'm particularly enraged by because I knew it at the time, and I tweeted at the time, this smells like bullshit. The story was that at the Air Force Academy, uh, at the high school level, I guess these are potential... Uh, Air Force Academy uh, cadets. Uh, but in their dorm room, five black kids had racial slurs printed on their doors. Like, I think it was go home, N-word, or something like that. And I'm like, really? Seriously? Who, who's the person that's going to do that? Let, can, we, can we come up with it in our minds? So there's a, there's a white kid, or a non-black kid, who has lived his life well enough to where he's almost gaining entry into the Air Force Academy. And he decides, screw it. I'm going to throw it all away. 
just so I can write some racial slurs on the doors of some black kids. And I'm also thinking, this happened in September, it's early in the year, and this guy knew exactly, this this racist, who obviously isn't hanging out with black kids, he knew exactly where the five black kids were living, he knew exactly which doors to, to write this on, and nobody saw him write on this and said anything? It didn't seem suspicious? And so my initial reaction was, okay, this is going to turn out to be yet another fake hate crime. And I kept waiting because, you know, the first couple days are critical. And the, the superintendent of the Air Force Academy gave this impassioned speech to the entire Air Force Academy. Get out if you're a racist. You don't belong among us. You know, of course, he's a white guy, so he's terrified for his job. And the media is like, oh, 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 it's so wonderful. This white male superintendent of Air Force, he really told it to him. He really put his foot down against racism. That told him how outrageous it was. He deserves so much credit. And, and you know, it, it went viral. And the Air Force tweeted out a video of his speech. It got retweeted 60,000 times. And I'm like, seriously? No. No, 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 no. This did not happen. And we're going to find out real quick it didn't happen. Because immediately, immediately after the superintendent got praised for his speech, there was silence. And folks, I'm a big believer in the absence of evidence is the evidence that something's wrong. (laughs) Because in a story like this, we should have known, like, immediately. He just, the the superintendent just gave a speech to the entire freaking school, got national attention, and nobody ratted out. Nobody ratted out the guy. He never told anybody what he did. No one got a suspicion about who this racist was that's writing racial epitaphs on five kids at the Air Force Academy. Bullshit. Bullshit. There is no way that that's not being found out immediately. And so the first week goes by, the second week goes by, and I keep I keep planning on calling the Air Force Academy to ask them, hey, what's the update on that investigation? Because I know this is going to be bullshit. So finally, in fact, I was going to call this week, and then the story finally broke. Um, yeah, we have an update on that. Um, yeah, uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, we found out that the perpetrator was um, one of the five black kids. All right, uh, can we move on? Thank you. Yes, thank you. Everyone handled themselves very well in this situation. So, yeah, we can just move on now. And, uh, yes, the superintendent's speech was still spectacular. Let's not back off of that, even though it was a complete fucking lie that was intended for him to save his own hide. He threw his own school under the bus. Uh, gave the entire nation the impression that there was massive racism at the Air Force Academy based on a lie, all to save his hide because he was afraid of being fried like the president of University of Missouri was a couple of years ago because the University of Missouri president actually said, wait a minute, can we hold on? This poop swastika thing doesn't smell right, literally or figuratively, and he got fried. So the superintendent gets no blame even though he selfishly threw his own school under the bus. Turns out it was a black kid. He gets expelled. Fine. Great. But there's no no, no real... The, the report gets nowhere near the same level of attention as the original story does. And everyone just moves along. No harm, no foul. And, uh, you know, racism is still real. And thank you, everyone, for playing. 
And similarly, at the University of Kansas State, Kansas State University, there was yet another, by the way, it's always graffiti, right? It's always freaking graffiti. Whenever there's racist graffiti, there's an inherently 90% chance the story is bullcrap, okay? It's a, it's a fake. So there was this car that had racist graffiti at Kansas State University. Students were up in arms. Black students were saying they're going to leave the university. The white male, there we go again, white male coward president, immediately issues a statement. This is horrible. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Run for the hills. And uh, lo and behold, it turns out that the car had racist graffiti because the owner of the car, a black guy, had put it there. And then my favorite part of the story is, even though he filed a false police report, the authorities said, yeah, we've decided not to charge him because the community has been through too much, and we, didn't, we thought it was in the best interest, the best interest of the community, to just let this thing go. That's almost a direct quote. Jesus fucking Christ. So I wonder if it's going to happen again. I mean, there's never any repercussions, really. And the, and the media never allows the, the, the counter-narrative to ever take hold. And it'll keep happening. But that's the world we live in now. Up is down, down is up. The truth makes no damn difference. Which is pretty much the essence of this entire podcast. All right. That's it for hour number one. Hour number two, we got Mark Pendergrass, the author of the book which is certainly related to this whole issue of hysteria. The most hated man in America, Jerry Sandusky and the rush to judgment. Hour number three is also related to that. Make sure you check out our website, framingpaterna.com for that whole story. And as always, I only ask two things of you. Share this podcast via social media, Twitter, Facebook, what have you. And if you're uh, one of those people who sleeps and when you sleep, you use sheets, do yourself a favor and listen to this important message. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed. Ever. These sheets are... Mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should, oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com 1212.